Amen. Amen. Well, we greet Pastor Chris and Jody online and all those who are watching with us today. Make sure you can hear me okay? All right. Very good. Let's start our time making sure that y'all listen quickly. That is always important. All right. Well, as Pastor uh, Daniel said, we're finalizing today our discipleship series. Pastor Jody kicked it off, and we talked about the whole discussion of Destiny's vision and the whole mission and the focus of making disciples. And so uh, when Pastor Jody did that, she talked about the river and the boat analogy. She had a canoe paddle up here. And so she defined three areas of that river that helped provide the mental picture of what Destiny Church is all about. First of all, we discussed the vision. So the vision here is Destiny Church exists to advance the kingdom of God in our homes, our city, and our world. That destination, the river flowing in that, that's the vision. Then we talked about the core values. Those core values here are what the banks of the river are. They're Christ, community, and cause. Those three things that we're going to key in on, and I will be finalizing that with the cause today. Finally, we talked about the mission. That's the actual boat that we're in. The mission is the becoming, belonging, and building. Those three are broken down like this. Becoming mature followers of Christ, belonging to authentic community, building kingdom causes. Pastor Daniel preached, first of all, in becoming mature followers of Christ. Jesus is the center of all that we do. He's our first love. We're committed to follow his lead and walking in prayer and obedience and power. The Isaiah chapter 26, 8 kind of says this. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you, your name, and renown. That's the condition of being known and talked about basically by many people and also the fame of his name to summarize renown. Our, this is our desire of our hearts. Or the NLT says it this way. Lord, we show our trust in or we. We show our trust in you by obeying your laws. Our heart's desire is to glorify your name. This is a type of disciple we desire to grow here at Destiny. Disciples that wait on the Lord, sitting, listening, studying, learning. Disciples that seek out the fame of his name above all else. How can I make you famous, Lord, in everything that I'm about? Disciples that desire to glorify God in all the areas of their life. No part of your life is off limit to the Lord. Secondly, Pastor Daniel brought the message on belonging to authentic community. The New Testament illustrates a powerful marriage between the power of God and the community of God. So it is our desire to fulfill both of those, the power and the community together, that therefore we are able to understand both the strength of God through the community of God making us better disciples. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says this. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. It is in community that we get over ourselves. It is in community that we learn that it's not all about us. It's in community that we are challenged to think beyond the me-thinking perspective. It is in community that we are encouraged to grow as disciples. You know, we always speak about 
uh, relationships and, and discipling and, and community as iron sharpens iron. I don't know if you've ever rubbed two pieces of iron together. It is not a pretty sound. It is not a pretty feeling. It jars you when you rub these two things together. And, and to get them to the point of sharpening, it comes out of Proverbs chapter 27 where it says, as iron sharpens iron, just as one sharpens the other, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. But to sharpen, you've got to rub off the rough edges. You've got to somehow create a way that they're, they're, they're scraping against each other, literally scraping to the point of irritation almost, and finally getting to the point of sharpening one another. See, many people run from this. Pastor Daniel even confessed last time he preaches, uh, he, he didn't like community too much, you know, because people get in your business. They start like, they start questioning you. People don't like to be challenged, questioned, or sharpened. Many would like to simply continue their Christianity in their little me and Jesus bubble. And that's all we need. See, but an authentic community is where disciples grow the fastest and the sharpest. So, why all of this growing? Why is it all necessary for us to grow as disciples of Christ? Can't we simply stay in our little corner, reading our Bible, just Jesus and me, and just have it our way? We grow because we are what we're going to talk about today, what I'm going to share about today. We must be mature disciples in order to understand the cause and the causes of the king and his kingdom. So our third focus on mission is building kingdom causes. We believe that Jesus saves us, frees us, enables us, and blesses us, not just for ourselves, but also for the benefit of others. People are the heartbeat of God. We're his representation on this earth. In, his, in service to others, we offer blessing and receive it. We live as disciples of Christ to fulfill the causes of Christ. So the passage that's behind this third thing of Christ's community cause comes out of 1 Samuel 17. So if you've got your Bible, we're going to go there in just a moment. 1 Samuel 17, verse 29, where David says, is there not a cause? It is smack dab in the middle of the whole David and Goliath story. And so we're going to kind of just rest here today and pull out everything we can out of this particular passage. I believe we have a lot to learn from this historical narrative regarding exactly what David said, why he said it, where he said it, what's the context of it he said it in. And he begins to say to his brothers and others, is there not a cause? Let's pray. Father, we thank you this day that you are with us. That you never leave us nor forsake us, regardless of the circumstances in the world run around us. Father, we thank you that you are with us. And today, we want to humble ourselves, situate ourselves, seat ourselves at your feet to learn once again from you. Help us, Father, to understand what the causes are and to recognize that there is a cause for the disciples of Christ to mature, grow in, to live in authentic community so that they can discern the cause of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's look at the context. 1 Samuel chapter 17, we're starting verse 20. A little bit of the background, there, there, there's a fight going on between the Philistines and the armies of Israel, and David's father says, hey, why don't you bring some bread and cheese out to the battlefield to your brothers? So he goes, so in verse 20, so David arose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. 
And he came to the camp as the armies were going out to fight and shouting for the battle. For the Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brothers. Then, he, then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. Now, earlier in the chapter, he talks about how he's defying the armies of the living God and all this stuff. So, verse 24. And all of the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be to the, be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter and give him his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. That's a pretty sweet deal. You get the bride and you get no taxes. I mean, that's, that's a nice deal there. Verse 26, then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same manner, in this manner saying, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now Elab, the oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, heard David. And Elab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why did you come up here, and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart. You have come, up, you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Is there not a cause? This is where the statement cause comes from in Christ's community and cause for Destiny Church. Is there not a cause? Now, let us glean from David's context all that he experienced in order for us to put it into our context regarding the causes of God so that we would be able to recognize and also be involved in it and be able to answer just as David did. So what was the cause that David was addressing? In verse 24, we see that all the men of Israel had fled, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. In verse 25, Goliath was coming up and he was defying Israel. Basically, he was daring and taunting and teasing and challenging, bullying the very armies of Israel. Verse 26, the Philistine, this, this, this Goliath represented shame and embarrassment to all the people of God. It says, the man who kills Goliath would be rewarded because he would take away the reproach, the rebuke, the criticism, the shame, and the disgrace from Israel. Verse 26, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So, let's break this down into a list of sorts. The army of Israel is afraid. The people are hiding in fear. The people are being oppressed. There is an enemy who has rose up who is taunting, teasing, and treating them with contempt and defying them. The enemy was openly mocking and challenging the people of God. The enemy was having his way with God's people. Even more so, the enemy was defying the living God himself. That is the landscape that we're looking at. Can we perhaps see maybe some parallels to our modern day situations that we're seeing here that David looked at and saw? We'll look at those in just a minute. The first, I want to look at, the, at David and his character. What type of man was David? 
He was just a simple shepherd. He was assigned a duty to take care of sheep. He took care of the sheep. He watched out for them. He protected them. He even rescued them when they needed it. But all while David did this, he did something much more important than just watch after sheep. He began to invest in a relationship with his God. This young shepherd boy would sit out in the wilderness alone with his harp. And he would begin to write love songs and sonnets and poetry to his God. He, would, he, he fell in love with God. He learned the voice of God. He learned to trust God. He learned to walk by faith with his God. David was a man after the heart of God. Even God said, this is a man after my own heart. He's after. What is God all about? I want to know this God. I want to experience him. I want to fellowship with him. He was on a hunt to discover this amazing God. From this perspective, he gained a protective nature for God's creatures and creation. He began to love God so much, he gained the love for God's creation, God's creatures, and God's causes. This was the heart and the nature of David. So when David was brought before the king regarding his statements and what he's talking about with Goliath, David explains what he does and who he is and why he believes he can defeat Goliath. Let's look at it. 1 Samuel 17, starting in the 34th verse. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Do you see David's protective nature here? Do you see his righteous indignation that how dare somebody come against God and God's people, God's army, God's things that are his by his nature, God. His protective nature over God's fame and his glory are evident. Now, don't lose the significance of what David said in his statement. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Basically, he has written his own death sentence because he dared to come against God and his people. That's where you've got to understand it. This is what David keyed in on. David sees that the enemies, that the enemy has arose and defied, challenged, mocked, ridiculed those that represent the living God and God himself. God is the one who has been offended. See, David's relationship and his history with his God has both given him the eyes to see and the boldness to take on this new enemy and to take out this enemy of God. This enemy that is against God himself. So David recognizes these things, that there was a cause. An enemy has arisen. People, God's people, are being oppressed, and God's glory was being mocked. The man of God cannot stand by and allow this to happen. Allow this to happen. 
It is when the righteous man stands and says, I cannot stand by in the presence of evil. That's the type of man David was, especially when it came to the offensive nature against God and his very people. The philosopher John Stuart Mill delivered in 1867 an inaugural address at the University of St. Andrews, and he stated this. It's up here on the slide, I believe. Let not anyone pacify his conscience by the delusion that he can do no harm if he takes no part and forms no opinion. Bad men need nothing more to compass their ends than that good men should look on and do nothing. He is not a good man who, without protest, allows wrong to be committed because he will not trouble himself to use his mind on the subject. This is where we get the famous statement, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. See, I believe God understands this as well. God, like David, surveyed the landscape of the historical nature, his understanding of what he's seeing. And he noticed the same thing as David did. An enemy had arisen. People are being oppressed. God's glory is being mocked. And like David, God Almighty said, is there not a cause? And he sent his son, Emmanuel, God himself, to deliver his people, to protect the weak, stand up for the oppressed, to bring righteousness, to met out or deliver out justice, and defend God's honor. Is there not a cause? So in the example of David and God himself, we as the body of Christ, the representations of God on this earth, must come to the same place where we look around the current landscape and see, really see, is there not a cause? A God-defending God-honoring kingdom cause for us to wake up and say, is there not a cause? But see, I fear, unfortunately, that we do not have men and women who can see, who can discern the true causes around us. Because we have not first spent the time in God's presence to learn what he gets offended at. To understand what God would define as a true cause, we must be people who first love him. That's how David did it. See, this is, this is the significance of the first commandment and the second commandment that Pastor Jody, I think maybe even Pastor Daniel alluded to, that these two commandments were given. When asked, Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He didn't just give one. He combined two of them together, in a sense raising the significance of the second to be included when you speak about the greatest commandment. In doing this, he puts them almost on equal balance, on equal terms. We read about it in Matthew 22, 37. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second, immediately, is like it. Is like it in the same similitude. It is likeness in the same importance, in the same category. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. See, the disciple of Christ, disciples of God, cannot see or engage in causes that defend God's honor, nature, and his people without first truly loving God. See, the first commandment deals with our vertical relationship 
And the second commandment deals with our horizontal relationships. The first gives us our identity. The second gives us our purpose. Look at this graph I put up here. So we see in this vertical situation here, God's identity or our identity on the left-hand side. Man is vertically, rightly aligned with God. That gives us his identity, our identity. We are ambassadors for Christ. We, we are his regents on this earth. We represent God. This is our identity. Who we are, we are now the children of God. We are heirs of God. We are co-heirs with Christ. We are an identity with Christ. We are no longer who we were before. We are now changed. This is our identity. And it's our great commandment to love the Lord God with all of our heart, soul, mind, being. But then the second commandment calls horizontal. This gives us our purpose, our purpose to love humanity. We can't love people without first loving God. We get out of our me-centered nature and realize, hey, God wants to love other people, and I'm representing God, so I am too loving God. But we don't do it out of duty. We literally do it out of the first relationship, our identity. So when we begin to love others, we realize, what is the best thing to give them? Is it money? Is it food? Is it help? Is it assistance? The best thing that we can give people is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because that is, the, in a sense, the eternal help that they need. They need to know God. But yes, of course, we feed, we clothe, we love, we nurture, we, we bind up the brokenhearted. That is our purpose, the Great Commission to all humanity. See, as disciples of Christ, we're then called to this great commandment, great commission, focused life. This becomes the framework of the true Christian living. This is the lifestyle of kingdom living. If you will, it's the trademark of Christianity. It's the trademark of disciples of Christ. He loves God, and he loves people. The cause that we're to get involved in originates first from our identity as the lovers of God. We see the oppressed of people. We see the fear of the weak. We see the taunting of the enemy. We see the name of God ridiculed. And we stand up and say, is there not a cause? My question is, where are the men and women of God who will hear the voice of the Lord and stand up to see the true causes of Christ? See, those, who, those type of people come out of a significant time with the Lord. Let me put it this way. True disciples have their vertical relationship correctly aligned and active that they are then able to be properly aligned with their horizontal relationships. When we get properly vertical, then we can properly act horizontally. So the first is first, love the Lord your God. Then out of that, you will naturally, out of your identity, fulfill God's calling to love others. True disciples have spent time with their Lord, and then they are ready to step out into the areas of injustice and both see and engage in the cause. Is there not a cause? See, social justice right now is such a buzzword. You hear that everywhere, social justice, social justice. And it's sometimes not social, and it's not very much justice in God's perspective. But yet they call and cry out because they're looking for some type of cause. They, they, they feel that they need to be, you know, righteously indignant about something, you know. 
save the well, save the spotted owl, save the this and that. And, and they think that that's the cause that needs to be addressed. So many want to speak up and do what they have. That's great. I mean, you know what? We ought to tap into that. Because there's people who are literally looking for a cause to spend their life in and on. But it is only the true disciples of the Lord that can truly identify the Lord's cause and move into proper action. See, I would say it, I said it before and I'll say it again until I have breath, no more breath to say it. I will continue to say this. The world is waiting for the true sons and daughters of God to be revealed. See, when we speak specifically about a cause, this is where the world needs to see the disciples of Christ to rise up, the sons and daughters, and be revealed. Romans 8, chapter 19. For the earnest expectations of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. All creation is waiting for the sons of God to know their God in such an intimate way that they understand the true causes to die for, but more importantly, to live for. The world is waiting. It is the disciples who have been loving on God in their private times that when faced with the Goliathesis of this world, they simply say, hey, hold my drink. I got this. Let me give you a real life example of a true disciple. This morning as I was preparing to come here and had a moment just to sit, I got a text from Pastor Chris. Pastor Chris said, Dr. Mitch, can you please share this exact message with the church today? I will trust you to share it at the right timing, but please read this in the exact words that I hear am giving me to the body. This is Pastor Chris' exact words. He has not heard my message. He didn't. He knew kind of the subject I was speaking about, but he had not seen it. He said, quote, tell the people that the time is critically important. We must share the good news of the gospel at all costs. Give to those who will receive. Give and it will be given unto you. For now it is the time to walk in God's ordained purpose. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Walk in your calling. Fulfill your destiny. Strengthen the weak and reach the lost. He continues, says, Jody and I are still recovering and will be back soon. However, I have been marked. This shepherd has been profoundly changed. There is a fire burning in my heart that's hotter than the fire that tried to take me out. He says, I love you, church. Thank you for your prayers for me and my family. Thank you for your words of encouragement and the meals that you have been given, have been given. I pray God's blessings upon you as you have ministered to me. God has instructed me that I have several weeks of rest to complete. Yet soon and very soon, I will be about my father's business, standing at my post. Now go, go preach his beautiful gospel. Come on. That, my friends, is a disciple who has spent some time with the Lord. He has been marked. See, as disciples, we need to know that there is a cause. So much so that even before this message, Pastor Chris would sit there in Texas because he has the burning message that there is a cause. There is a gospel to preach. There is a need to go forth. That regardless of brain surgery, 
we got to go forward. we got to preach this gospel. See, he understands that we are the righteous representation of God on this earth. See, the disciples of Christ are to be present in all areas of their lives, full of the Holy Ghost, empowered and re to reveal and advance the king and the king's agenda, his kingdom. Is there not a cause? See, this is the very character of God himself. He has a cause. He has a mission. He has a desire that we are to be about. This is what the Great Commission is all about. Making disciples who are connected with God in such a way that they are changing the very social fabric of the people around them. The very society that they live in. When we look at the entire landscape of the world the, in the human condition, the most important thing for all of humanity is a reconnection in relationship to their father through the sacrifice of the son, Jesus Christ. It is important for us to understand that God has a mission. God has a cause that he is focused on bringing to completion. God the Father is therefore the source of our very mission, our cause. The ultimate cause, therefore, is God's ultimate cause. He sends, out, he sends us out on mission, on cause, to accomplish his mission, his objective, his cause, which is the redemption of all creation. See, missions with the S flows out of the big mission of God. Missions is all the activities that we talk about when we do missions around the world and missions here, missions there. It's the activities that we do to fulfill the cause of God. Disciples of Christ are therefore called to live out their lives in the continual focus of the cause of Christ. That focus being the advancement of the kingdom in our homes, our cities, and our world. The way we advance is to make disciples of where we are. It's not car converts we're after. We're not asking someone to say a prayer, check a list, check a box, you know, that's it. No, we're after disciples. We are after investing our lives in other people so that they will have such investment in their life that they then in turn can invest in somebody else. Always growing them in a greater relational understanding of God's love and his purpose for the world and for all of eternity. You see, God's glory is at stake. As disciples of Christ, there is a primary cause. We must understand and say with David and with Christ, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? This is the rallying cry of the sons and daughters of God. This is what the world is waiting for. This, the true disciples that hear his voice and out of that are able to speak into the lives of the people around them. That is what discipleship making is all about. Growing fans and followers and lukewarm and people who are just kind of interested in Jesus to bring them fully into becoming mature disciples of Christ. See, that's why we're about becoming mature followers of Christ. That's why we belong to authentic community. This is why we build kingdom causes. His kingdom, not ours. You see, becoming a disciple and growing as a disciple is simply being transformed into the image of Christ. In a sense, we are putting on Christ. Therefore, in our attempt to disciple others, we're just simply helping them to put on Christ. This is why it's important for us to be continually striving to become mature followers of Christ. And this is why it's important for us to be involved in authentic 
community where people keep us accountable to our shortcomings and encourage us to be more like Christ. This is why it's important for us to continually keep our focus on him and his causes. At least we derail off of the primary purpose and of the kingdom and begin to think it's all about us. Do you notice the progression here? As Pastor Jody, Daniel, and myself are preaching to these things. See, we come to Christ in a relationship. We begin to walk with him. We begin to, be, to, to submit ourselves to, to his character. And we read the Bible. And we begin to ask questions. And we begin to, to grow. But then we begin to engage in authentic community where we experience a new dynamic, new intensity of us growing as a disciple of Christ. As we engage in this authentic community with our brothers and sisters, we then are beginning to get challenged and questioned and, 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 and our perspective even grows and changes. The community begins to give us new ways of looking at things that we thought were once okay. The community challenges our introspective, navel-gazing, self-absorbed, me-focused Christianity. We get away from that. It begins to challenge that. If it feels good, do it. Amen. Because that's maybe somehow where we were at one point. I have no conviction. This is fine. I can do this. i give you a real-life example. I'm doing a premarital counseling with a couple many, many years ago. And Michelle and I are there doing this disciple thing with them. And we say to them, you know, uh, y'all are living together. And, you know, the Lord doesn't want this. You know, fornication's not good. They literally said, what is forna, forna what? fornication? Oh, you don't know. Okay, well, you know, it's sleeping with each other prior to your marriage. That's fornication. That's not God. That's not of God. And they're like, Really? We, we didn't know that. So there are literally people out there who have a mentality and thinking that's okay. That cuss word, that statement, that offense, that, that movie, that, that, that uh, thing we do with our, with our, against our spouse or the thing we do against our children. And they think it's okay because that's all they know. When we get into authentic community, somebody goes, yeah, that, that's, that's not quite right. Here's what Jesus says about that. That's the iron sharpening iron. That is when we get our okay mentality a little bit moved in the proper direction of Christ and Christ living. See, so out of those challenges, we grow and we gain a kingdom perspective. We learn in a sense that, that our life is not our own, that we're not to live for ourselves, but for him who died for us and gave himself for us. It is only when we go through the discipleship-making, maturing process that we are then able to see the true enemies of the living God. The Goliath issues that we're all, as disciples of Christ, can say, hey, hold my drink. I got this. This type of confidence can only come from the amount of time you spent with the Lord. Let me put it this way up here on the, on the overhead. Your level of confidence to both recognize and engage yourself in any cause is directly proportional to the amount of time you spend with the Lord. Let me say that again. Your level of confidence to both recognize and engage yourself in any cause is directly proportional to the amount of time you spend with the Lord. David had that time logged in with the Lord. 
out on the backside of the wilderness watching sheep with his little heart beginning to contemplate the beauty, the landscape, the, the, the manifestation of the glory of God all around him. And he logged in that time to love on his Jesus, on his God. Of course, for us, Jesus is the representation of God, God in the flesh. So he's able to, when he faces this giant of an issue where everybody else ran, and he said to them in 1 Samuel 17, look at it, 32, he says, Then David said to Saul, this is King Saul, everybody's hiding, including the king, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go out and fight with this Philistine. Loosely translated, hold my drink, I got this. That's what David is saying to the king. Is there not a cause? See, the church worldwide and Destiny Church must come to the realization that it is that we are simply an outpost of the light on the edge of darkness. An outpost of the light on the edge of darkness. See, we are the only hope for the eternal destination of people currently on this planet. We provide that hope. We provide that insight. We provide the vertical relationship that they don't know right now. And that's why they're so conflicted with their horizontal relationship. We, as the body of Christ, disciples of Christ, are able to provide that hope. We are an outpost of the light. We are not the light. We're just the outpost. But we know who is the light. And as the representation of that light, we are the outpost on the edge of darkness, trying to get the message into darkness. This is the most Goliath issue that we face on the edge of darkness. Where, I ask, where are the sons and daughters, the disciples of Christ, who both have the eyes to see the cause and the boldness to step in and complete the cause of God in and on this planet? See, there are literally billions of people who have yet to see the light. They sit in darkness, 3.15 billion to be a little more accurate, people who have yet to hear the gospel message of a Savior sent to restore their vertical relationship with their Father. When you spend time with the Lord, you will hear His heartbeat for the people of the world. You will begin to see that, wow, God's heart is to redeem all of mankind. You will hear him say, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? God is still asking that question. When Isaiah got over, if you will, his own sin, because he stood there and he goes, oh, God, I'm in the presence of the Holy One, and I am an unclean people, and I come from a people of unclean lips. Woe is me. All he could focus on was his sin. Brand new baby in Christ. Brand new disciple. He's like, oh, he's got focus. I'm just bad. I'm awful. How does God ever love me? He grows. Suddenly from, from the altar, the seraphim was flown with a coal and he touched Isaiah's lips. Your sin has been removed. In Christ Jesus, your sin has been removed. Suddenly when he, his sin was no longer his focus, he heard the throne of God. He heard God speaking. And he heard that God had a desire. Do you not see the discipleship process here? You finally get over yourself. It's not all about you and me focus. It's not about your little parking spot that you didn't get at the mall. Wah, 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 you know. 
And suddenly you begin to go, wow, wait a minute. There's a message from the throne. Hey, 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 everybody quiet down. I'm, I'm hearing God. And suddenly he says, who will go for us? Whom shall we send? And now Isaiah, who has experienced his, his great salvation, if you will, his, his departure from his own sin, his own focus, he's able to focus on God. He, he, what can he answer? But, hey, hey, here I am. Here I am. Send me. That is Christ, community, moving into cause. Because the disciple has moved away from his me-centered focus, navel-gazing, self-centered ideology into, it's about God. It's about the one who sits on the throne. What does he want me to do? What's his cause? And, he, and all we can answer is what? Here am I. Here am I. Send me. The disciple of Christ, like David, will recognize that there is a cause. That an enemy has arisen. The people are being oppressed. That God's glory is being mocked. The disciples of Christ will understand the message. Is there not a cause? This is our heartbeat. To be a recognizer. To get you to the point where your ears are cleaned out from the world and the noise of the world and the traffic of the world and the Twitter memes and the, and the TikTok things and the Instagram and the Facebook, and you put it all down. And you say, Lord, speak, for your servant is listening. And then when you discern and you get into your community and you ask, and you say, hey, I, I think I'm hearing from the Lord. What do, you, what do y'all think? Let me, let me bounce this off of y'all. Let me, let me, iron sharpens iron. What do you think? And then you go, you know, I think I'm going to get involved in the cause. Disciple of Christ. Move from just Jesus and I bubble to Jesus and this group of community. And then into the cause of destiny. That God has for you to move into. As I conclude. The worship team is going to come up here. As I conclude this final message. On the series of discipleship. Let me make a personal. Pastoral warning. Regarding this cause. And building kingdom causes. David's statement about the cause. That he both recognized. And was willing to engage in. Was challenged. Challenged even by his own brother, his kinfolk, if you will. In 1 Samuel 17, 28, Nalab, David's oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Elab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and your insolence of, of your heart. For you have come down to see the battle. See, when you begin to engage in the causes of Christ, especially the causes of reaching other people in other lands, you will be accused of having the wrong motive. The enemy never rests. You will hear the same words that Elab said to David. Why did you come down here? Or why are you going to that nation? Why, what, what have you done with your responsibilities? Isn't there enough people in America that you need to reach for Jesus? I know your pride and insolence. I know you're doing this for the uh, uh, this only for your own benefit and entertainment. See, such statements will cause you to abandon the cause of Christ. 
This is why it is important for the disciple of Christ to focus on becoming a mature follower of Christ. To be involved and get involved in belonging to an authentic community. And then be able to focus on kingdom causes. See, the disciple of Christ must have a deep relationship with God. So much so that no negative statement will affect their focus on what God is calling them to do for his kingdom. They will know. They will know. Is there not a cause? And they will say, what? Hold my drink. I got this. Let's pray. Father, may we rally around the reality that there are people today in our world who have yet to experience the goodness, the love, the salvation of Jesus Christ. There are people who are in fear. Father, there are people, women and even young boys that are being trafficked for the sexual exploitation of men. Father, there are people who are hungry this day who will die today because of the lack of nutrition there are people who will die today for basic medicine that we have plentiful in our pantries or our, our pharmacies or even our cupboards at home. Father, there are people who sit in darkness not knowing that they are even loved, that their life was worth the Son of God coming and dying for them. They have no hope. They're being tormented by an enemy, and that enemy is laughing at the church, mocking us defying the very armies, the church of the living God. Father, is there not a cause? May we rise up as the people of God, grow in our discipleship, grow in our communities, that we might be able to partake in the causes of Christ around the world. That we might be those who say, send me. Here I am. Send me. Yes, to our neighbors. Yes, to our coworkers. Yes, to our schools. Yes, to our universities. But, Father, yes to the nations. That maybe if we can't go, we send someone in our place. Father, that we work in our finances and the strength you've given us so that we might be able to take up the cause in other lands financially. Father, bless your people, your saints, your disciples, that they might spend the time and out of that, grow. And out of that, get involved in the causes of the kingdom of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.